0: This is normally the time when I would say, "Open your Bibles too, uh, but I'm not exactly sure where we're going to be. We're going to be in Ephesians. We are. We're going to be someplace in the Bible. We're going to be the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts. Okay, so you're going to you're going to turn to the Book of Acts. Um, but I want to come on up here. I want to introduce. Uh, this is some of you have already met Mike, and so you know that I'm I'm mildly nervous about what's going to happen now. Um, <laughs> But those of you who don't know, you're going to discover that there's probably no real reason to be, to be nervous. They're uh, nervous
1: every Sunday when I get up and preach. That's preacher, right, that's and they right. All know me that's well. That
0: is because they are wise. Uh, this is Mike, who, um, Pastor Mike Griner of Harvest Community Church in, in Catanning, Pennsylvania, which is right near a town called Slatelick, which you have never heard of, but you've heard of now. Slatelick uh, is the most awesome name for a town in the history of towns. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, this guy. Uh, is is the one I believe that the that the Lord used to transform me from a uh, a, a, a concerned young punk in the church, uh, concerned that the church was not heading in the right direction, but but through uh, uh, consistent prayer and Bible teaching and an occasional swift kick, um, uh, put me on the path of, of being involved in ministry, uh, and I, I am thankful for the uh, for the influence that he's been in my life. There are some people who who you can not spend much time with, and then you you you, uh, you you get to be with them again, and it's like you've not been a part, and Mike is one of those friends. Uh, I'm honored to have him fill our pulpit and to share God's Word with you this morning, and so uh, he's going to come and share God's Word with us.
1: Thank you. Well, good morning. good morning. Good morning. Perspective is a funny thing. I never, ever thought of Keith Meyer as a punk.
2: Now, of course, I...
1: His mother and dad might say, well, you should have been here a few years before, but that's their problem. We all have to raise our own kids. Um, Keith and Nancy Meyer loved me and my wife when they were newlyweds. And now, years later, it feels the same, except I got to be loved by Nancy in their in their home. It, it is said Martin Luther had uh, a wonderful pastor's home. And I think the Myers do too. So Nancy's in there with... Uh, now, five Lanky Meyer boys. <laughs> when there used to be zero, now they're all over the place. And, um, and, and someone named Rachel and a dog named Frodo. And she is just a great hostess to me and Fred. And, and whips up the same good food. Treats me with the same honor as she did the first time she met me. So she's awesome. Uh, did she leave for the kids? Does she do kid things? so that's a good thing to have a good wife who can find so um, and to be honored to be to say you poured in So again that's a perspective issue the Lord is responsible for all of us and it's just an honor to have any influence on anyone um, so I'm but I'm delighted to be here I was I'm going to pray in a minute we'll get to the sermon but before that I just got to say hello I, I know this is a Baptist church because most folks are sitting in the back and that's your proof <laughs> That's because Baptists are friendly and they want to be back there to greet anyone who comes in late. And I just want to thank you guys. Awesome. I got to share some time with your men and uh, I got a view from an outsider's perspective as well as did Fred. Who's, and Fred is going to have no part in this service, but I don't see if he came all this way. We shouldn't embarrass him by all staring at him. That's Fred over there. See that guy right there? All right. Um I was so encouraged there, and I know that all the men couldn't be there. there's always scheduling issues, but there are men who what I when you speak to an audience, especially for two days, you feel back and forth whether you're getting anywhere. And sometimes you think, man I'm just breaking I'm trying to break hard clay I can't get anywhere here and I just got to do my job and let the Lord bring someone else do the next step that wasn't it at all from moment one there were Bibles open and ready to go but even better still there's very true affection and that an outsider can see there is love there's evidence of the church in that room and there's giftedness there's leadership all over the place um, I have you know, many Bible-believing... No, let me say it another way. I've never seen a Bible-believing church that was not filled with faithful women. I don't know why that phenomenon happens. I'm not saying women are better than men or men are better than women. But I've never seen a church that teaches a Bible that does not have faithful women as its backbone. But I have seen some that have a, uh, let's say, insufficient quantity of godly men. And I don't know why that happens. So I was so encouraged to see that there are a, a godly troop of men in this church. And when that works together, I really think God's got something. You guys working together, marching forward, I think God's doing a beautiful thing Now, I knew some of you beforehand, but not many, because I was at a retreat here a long time ago, and most of those people are, weren't there. So I, I hope I don't have that effect on the men here now. <laughs> Uh, But, I, you know, Matt and and Brian, who were up here, both came up to Harvest Community Church. It's funny. He and I both pastored the same church, First Baptist Church, together for a while, then apart for a while. And then we both went to Harvest. He came to Harvest Baptist, and I just went to Harvest Community. And um, we had a a worship conference that our worship pastor uh, organized. He had a vision for encouraging other churches. And Brian came up, and Matt came up, and... um, Uh, They didn't get to say. You know, you come to worship conference. They don't say, "Hey, how about you show us what you do?" But now I got to hear it. That is awesome. What's happening up here? You guys got a a beautiful thing here, and I think you should clap. By the way, when I say that, I don't know (laughs) if you. And you got. Musicians and Nancy singing. It's good to see. Does she sing every week or is this just a special week? That's awesome. You've told them about Greece, right?
0: Oh, Being in Greece occasionally.
1: That's so funny to think that he was the 90. He played the part of the 90-pound geek Eugene in Greece
2: when he was in high
1: school. Now, how close that was to his real life in high school, I'm not going to come and I wasn't there. And Nancy played his girlfriend, which, and, and now look at him. Um, but she's still singing and, and he's preaching. But with the worship, one more thing, the worship uh, team, our worship pastor's gone. We are looking for a worship pastor. And what we just found him, and you're lucky because I would have just asked you for your resume. Um, but we just hired a new one, he hasn't started yet. But our old one, it was beautiful to see something you do that we don't do. Um, and when you go to a new church, you're always thinking, what can we learn from this experience? Uh, you don't see your own church very well. When you go into others, you see everything. And that's a beautiful thing to pray for the unreached. The unreached people group that's on Archer's heart is the 20 million Muslims of West Bengal. Um, uh, if you save, okay, this is what a missionary told me, and I know it's true now statistically. If you save the Ganges plain, you save the world. Um, if, if you were to go into... That hallway, you got a map that shows you where the unreached people groups are, and the color's red. They're all in the Ganges plain. They're all in Northeast Asia. Is the dark red uh, 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 in India. And India speaks English mostly, but they have a, a lot of other languages. And there's 20 million Muslims, not the kind that say, Hassan Chapa, cut off your head. Poor Muslims who can't even afford to build mosques. They're traditional. And as far as we know, no church in the world has sent missionaries to plant churches among them. Many missionaries go to India. Normally they go to Hindus and whatnot. <laughs> go to Calcutta. There's so much need in India, you go anywhere. But almost no one. We found no one. I, I have say almost, because there could be someone who's faithfully working away among those people we don't know. But in putting our feelers out among the Muslims there, we found no church. So God... We, our little country church, we send three families from our midst one of them was Chris Clinch, our worship pastor and his wife, and their three children they just got there, like last week and they joined two other families who got there last month and the month before now why I'm telling you that is that takes partnership and Harvest Baptist Church is a partner in that I know many of you know that, but some of you who may be newer or miss the meeting, don't know that that you guys were very generous financially, and that does matter. It does matter. Money matters because they have to eat and have a place to live. And you guys were extremely generous, so you are partners with us. We can't get it done without partners. And for that, I want to thank you. We are now locked together in ministry for the first time. We're not just Mike and Keith, our friends. We have a common mission. And there will be mission trips to India. And when we do them, I'm going to let Keith know. And if we have open slots, I'm hoping any one of you says, I want to go to India and see what's going on. And you'll be eligible. We'll get you into our program and everything. Probably take about two years. But I'll let you know, Okay? So some of you start praying about that. I know you guys are in Zambia. And I've heard about that. And I've seen the excitement of those men when they talk about it. And now I want to go to Zambia. I can't find a ministry reason I need to be in Zambia. So, I don't know. What, can I carry stuff? <laughs> Apparently, over there, Pastor Keith is a great American professor. So, when... <laughs> i have come and carry his water. I'm his water boy. So, I can't tell you how delighted I am to be here with you. Um, and plus, I have a sermon here, but you won't know whether I finish it or not. So, um... I have a clock. He told me how long I could preach. He said all the sermons are generally 20 minutes, so if I could be quick about it. <laughs> Wasn't that right? Wait, is he tricking me? But I want you to know if you didn't come to men's retreat, I already told the men. I'm just going to say in the sermon the same thing I told them. It took me a lot longer to tell them to tell you. Uh, just want to make sure they got it. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joint and marrow. Nothing is hidden from your eyes. Nothing is hidden from the eyes of whom we have to do. Your word is alive and active and sharp, and it is not like the thousands and millions of banal, empty, vapid words that surround us on, coming out of our own mouths, all over the internet, in our newspaper, on our television, on our, on our little tiny screens. Words, 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 and they're all vapor. They're nothing. But with the Word, you created the earth. And with the Word, you created your church. And with the Word, you changed this sinner into a saint. In the Word, you took my, exchange my shame for your holiness. And with my brothers and sisters here, and then, You said, listen, I love you. You're not going to live on bread primarily. I'm going to feed you with my word. And that's why we gather faithfully as your assembly on Sundays. And that's why we set aside time to hear your word. And so all of us are learners. You are the only teacher. And you only speak to the humble. So humble us and speak to us. In Jesus' name, please. Amen. Our text today is Acts 20:28 20, from the ESV, which I know is your, uh, which I guess you'd call it Pew Bible, though there are no pews. It's also ours. I'll try not to molest this. I subconsciously was molesting this thing all through, molest is a bad word, abusing this thing all, all, all through the ministry. I didn't even know it. But Keith, who's crazy, takes pictures of you while you do things. He's really, and so he has me pictures of this and, I, uh, I'll try not to distract you by paying attention to this. Now, that was your stall to give you time to open your Bible. If it's not open, I don't know what to say. Your Bible could be electronic or paper, but hopefully it is at Acts 20. We're only going to do one verse today, Acts 28. But there will be many other scriptures probably finding their way in. So you ready? You with me? You have to put on your seatbelts. I'm just going to throw a ton of information at you. So um, let the Lord speak to you. Let's go. Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the Church of God which he obtained with his own blood. One verse. I want to make one point, but I'm going to have to do a little work to get to that point. This verse was from the last words of Paul. If you were if Keith, Pastor Keith was going to leave you, and especially those who've been here. Uh, More than the first or second time. By the way, if you're a first or second time guest, welcome. Uh, This is a church that that loves guests. Everyone who loves this church as home was once a first time guest. So they love to see you move. So welcome. I'm glad to be the first one who gets to preach to you. I won't be here next week. Um, uh, But don't worry, the other guy knows what he's doing too. Um, (laughs) But imagine Pastor Keith were to say... This is the last time I have to see you. God has told me that me and Nancy, through the Holy Spirit, and I know that, that he won't have a... Don't worry, okay? <laughs> so we're like, He's hearing those words? No, probably not, but let's just imagine here's a word from the Holy Spirit saying, you're leaving, you'll never see these people again. And you're going to not come out of this thing alive. And that's, that's where Paul's at. And so he's actually sailing by the church in Ephesus that he planted. And he calls for their elders, which is the same as pastors. Right? And he says, Come meet me on the beach. I want to say goodbye to you. And they cried and they wept because he told them that the Spirit had let them know I'm never going to see you again. And they loved him. And then he said, Okay, these are my last words. They better be good. So there's a terrific... That message is captured in Acts 20 and you can read it and, and it's beautiful. If you would say, what's important to Paul if he has only one shot to tell the church what's important? This is it. Add that to the letters of 1st Second Timothy. We're going to take one verse of that. Now he's talking to elders then, so the audience is pastors. And is he gives them an exhortation? It's two-pronged. Notice the beginning of 28. Look at 28 again. Notice the beginning. He says. Pay careful attention to, and then here's the two pronged fork yourselves and all the flock. Your shepherds, shepherd two groups. Five observations are going to come rather quick, and then the main point, then the application, then we sing a song, and then we're done. Ready? Five observations regarding the text. If you're a note taker, you're going to love me. <laughs> one shepherding of the church is a group project shepherding of the church is a group project churches should always avoid the mistake of relying on one man churches have a way and not this one that you have had a a tenure of a pastor already that is the average is 2.3 years can you believe it But churches have a way of chewing up pastors and spitting them out, and normally it's because they have an expectation that he's Jesus. Well, the last pastor never missed an opportunity to visit Aunt Maud and send a card. Well, the last pastor preached good sermons. (laughs) Well, the last pastor, they want a pastor who's good at everything. He always had everything organized. There's one Jesus. There's no precedent in the New Testament for the singular clergy model that somehow we developed. The the word pastor is a polite way we use to honor men. It's not even really that good of a Bible title. It's not. Ephesians is one time it's used in a noun form to describe a leader. And we make it the main one. You have three pastors in this church you have three elders. Episcopos, Presbyteros. And some of you are saying, what did he just say? If you don't know, don't worry about it. For those of you who do, you know what I mean. You have three elders, three pastors. One of them is vocational. That means he makes his living doing it. Two of them are not. All three of them are responsible for your spiritual health before God. That's a heavy load, but that's the way it works. Paul called the Ephesian elders, not the Bring the Ephesian elder to me. No, no. Elders. By the way, this church, if you're new, holds to a plurality of elders. But there it is in the text. Second observation. The Holy Spirit is the boss. You see, he said, whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Holy Spirit is God. God is the one who appointed them. Not anyone can be an elder. Elder is not, by the way, the highest position in the church. It is simply the one with the most responsibility. That doesn't mean the most work. It means that's where the buck stops when Jesus measures. They will give an account for your souls. But it's a calling that God gifts and he puts in every church. He never builds a church and he doesn't put them there. There are elders in this room who have never served as an elder. And through the process of learning in this church and growing in your faith, you will rise to that position. It should be obvious to the other elders. And they need a system that brings you aboard. And it will happen because it's already happening. But not anyone can do it. The Holy Spirit. You know what? There's a phrase that I hear uh, people sometimes say when they're complaining about their pastor. They say, that ain't what we hired him for. Okay, I understand the language. You feel like you hired someone. But it's just such a bad way to think. If the church hires a guy, who's in in charge? That's right. So they can have expectations. We didn't hire them for that. What would you hire them for? We ain't paying them for that. What you paying them for? The tail is wagging God's dog. The boss is not the pastor, it's the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can say, well, we didn't hire him for that. And if he says it, it's true, by the way. The the Holy Spirit appointed the elders. You say, well, I just don't believe he did. Well, then you have a sovereignty of God issue, or you have a discipline issue, and you need to point out the sin and remove your pastor. Otherwise, just cut with that stuff. Holy Spirit's the boss, isn't he? Is that what the text says? Whom the Holy Spirit appointed? If the Holy Spirit appointed
2: Pastor Keith,
1: Mike, and... Um, quick, it's running away from me. John.
2: <laughs> Word!
1: <laughs> then he did. Then he did. Only their wives are allowed to go, really? Really? <laughs> Three. The leaders as well as the rest of the flock need to be shepherded. Elders said pay careful attention to yourselves. And in context, the reason why is false teachers will try to rise among you. They need encouragement and accountability and needs to be mutual. They need to watch each other. Keep each other. And it may not be false teaching. Many of us know of churches where the leader falls into sin and normally it's stealing or s- sexual sin. And how much pain does that cause the people in that church? It is... Listen, at Harvest Community Church, church I go to, my number one responsibility is preach the word on Sunday. What's my number two? Believe it or not, it's to be concerned... But the marriages of all the elders. I am one, so mine is in there. That's number two. Everything else comes after that. Everything else comes after that. Because the health of the church depends on the marriages of the elders. Now, I'm not saying they all have to be happy, there are seasons of life. uh, Husbands and wives go through anxiety seasons depression seasons difficult seasons but is the man staying faithful to that woman and and managing her and loving and caring for her while she is in good times and bad if he is not your church is going to be unhealthy because god said that the number one qualification for that man is the way he manages that house and he asks us this question how can he manage his the church of god if he can't manage his church how can he manage the household of god if he can't manage his household and Satan knows it. And he goes for them. And he's unscrupulous. Satan doesn't say, well, I'm going to go for the preacher because he's the one praying and working and studying the scripture. i got to take the him out. No, he goes for the weakest one. He's completely unscrupulous. Who gets abused most by Satan? Anyone he can abuse. So, it's up to the elders to encourage the elders. And it's up to the elders to encourage the flock. Fourth observation from this text. The flock doesn't belong to the leaders. The flock does not belong to the pastors. It, it's not, not their sheep. Right? If, if, if Keith starts getting up here and telling you that God wants to bless you financially, and the way he's going to do it is you bless him financially. And all of a sudden, he's starting to get the bling.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? Nancy starts having teeth when she smiles at, like, you go blind. Right? Okay, who, whose who's, who's sheep are they? They're Keith and Nancy's. No, no. you are God's sheep. These men are stewards. Of someone else's family. Think about that. What if you were entrusted with a beloved child of a good friend? I I, I think most of the men in here would lay down their lives. Before they'd let harm come to the beloved child of a good friend. Am I not right? You are God's beloved children. It's His flock. That's what He says. The church of God. Uh, the final observation before I get to the actual sermon (laughs) is this for real? yeah so anytime any of you thinks that Keith's sermons are long hate me (laughs) (laughs) the application is local there is a movement in our day by many people to think the church is just so broken they're all a bunch of hypocrites. They're all about the money. They're all about this. Or they're just, some take a missionary view. They're, the, the, it, when I was back in college, our group did a lot of things. Church doesn't do nothing. They're just, and it, it's more spiritual to get out there on your own. In the universal, invisible church. Spurgeon made it clear way back in the day. He said, the church is the dearest place on earth because it's most beloved of God. And he said to have a Christian who stays out of the church and thinks he's one of them is like a builder's a brick who thinks he's part of the house but he's out in the yard. He's talking, the lo- you cannot love the church and not love it in the local expression. You just can't. And if this is your church, this is the local expression. You say, well, I'm visiting from another church. Then that's the local expression. If you say, I'm not really committed to any church yet, Let's get on to the rest of the sermon for that one. (laughs) Here's the main point, all right? I told you I'm a note taker's dream. I just tell you where it is. You can write it down. If you don't take notes, that's all right. But the main point, quote, the motivation to serve the local church arises from God's valuation of the church. The The motivation to serve the local church arises from God's valuation of the church. You can have many motives for building the church. It could be group therapy. Come, everybody, come! God is a healing God, and He wants to heal you. By the way, that is true, but that is not to be the main motivation. It can be because you want a retail you want retail supply of the goodies of God. Come get the goodies of God. Our church gives the goodies of God better than the other church gives the goodies of God. We have Kid explosion praise. What do we call that? Praise factory.
2: factory.
1: (laughs) The other church has, we're bored looking at Jesus on a felt board. (laughs) We're better than they are. Our band has a guy with a ponytail, which means he has cred you got a guy who goes like this and doesn't even know the hymn come get our goodies that is probably the most common way we think out there and it's it's hard for even good Christians to keep that mindset out of the church fame pastor wants to be famous None of these are the reason God gives. What is the reason He gives in that text? Let me quote the text. To care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. How much does God love Harvest Baptist Church? Answer that question in your mind. And not just the individuals, but the collective family. That's how I deal with my family. Everyone matters where I'm dad. Oh, sure. I, I can exploit. I always liked you best. <laughs> you were born with the wrong color hair. Stinks to be you. Just don't like you.
2: <laughs>
1: no, No, everyone in the family is valuable to me. They share my name. They share my life. They are my legacy. They are the ones I'm trusted to care for and help and love and enjoy. How much does God love? I'm not talking about the, individ- the invisible, universal church throughout the ages. I'm talking about the one that's gathered right here in this place right now. Well, let's look what it says. What would you give for this church? If, if someone said to you, look, the devil made a deal. Don't make deals with the devil, by the way. He's a liar and a thief. So. He said, what price have to give you? To buy everyone in this church? And you might say, wow, you could never tempt me. Come on, man. Money, power, health, undo past things. If he could, dang, could dangle all in front of you, what would you give? Hopefully, there's no price. I don't think the world values Harvest Baptist Church. There ain't people driving around on their way to Dunkin' Donuts today saying, that's a very valuable place. Devil went to them. How much do you think he'd have to pay to get rid of this church? Ah, uh, free coffee. Okay. The Jews who are the root of our salvation. We're taught for centuries to sacrifice animals to cover your shame. Sacrifice animals to cover your sin. Bring a firstborn unblemished lamb, particularly on the Passover. And it's to be offered for your sin. And because of that, millions upon millions of lambs were slain in an occultic practice, not cultic, occultic, meaning blood sacrifice, by guys, it, it, it was bloody, it was messy, it was smelly, and, 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 and guys in robes would just kill animal after animal after animal after animal. It, is, it was it, 10 minutes of this, and, and, and you got PETA members losing their months. And it went on for centuries to show the ugliness of those made in God's image at their core. But none of it wiped away a single sin. Why? Because we are made in the image of God and a lamb's blood is not that valuable. And so God sent His only Son. Who was without sin. The Lamb of God, said John the Baptist. There He is, He takes away the sins of the world. Now think this through, brothers and sisters, and now I want you to think of yourself as an individual, and then we'll go back to us as a church. Think of your own value. By your estimation, throw out your theology for a moment by your own estimation of how valuable you are, the Son of God, the most valuable thing in or out of the universe was the exchange rate to buy you. How do do I not say to Jesus, not a good deal here. That is not a good exchange rate. I am not worth that. He said, you are to me. The church of God that He purchased with His own blood, if you pay the most valuable thing for something, that, that then that thing is the most valuable thing. God became man and walked among us. In the book of Revelation, this is the old story that will be declared. We have this new song. It's going to be an awesome song. And Some of you say, it's going to be rock and roll because I love rock and roll. I think it will. Some of you say, well give me reggae. Some of you say, give me that old timey music. I don't care what you like. This is going to be that plus a thousand things and sung perfectly. It's going to be awesome and you're going to hear it. You're going to hear this song. We don't know the tune. We know the words. They sang a new song to Jesus. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed those people who are hurting. You were not a do nothing God. You saw the pain and you died for them. With your blood. You ransom people for God from every tribe and every language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests of our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So, salvation by faith produces look at this that from what I read one flock. And that flock is what he values. What else in this town is worth the blood of Christ? Real estate. What are the three words that tell you what's most valuable in real estate? Louder, so everyone doesn't know can hear you. Location, and the location, and location. I'm sure that when the town fathers of Saul's Ferry, Maryland, this fine metropolis, come driving by the old Harvest Plaza, they say, most valuable spot around here, right? Right? Come on, they do, right? bankers are saying, let's get rid of our bank and try to get into that place. (laughs) If everything else falls, the mayor said, we keep Harvest Baptist. (laughs) When the dust clears, only the church is left. We live in really serious times. Things are weird out there. Have you noticed? Or am I alone? I hate to say these things for the fragile and the worried. Don't be fragile and worried. Be at peace. In this world, you'll have trouble if Christ overcome the world. But I'm going to say it anyway. If you're alive in this room, most likely, you will live through what my grandparents lived through. Atomic bombs dropped on city. You just can't have that many sinners getting that tool. I'm saying they're going to do it. The speed with which culture and information is moving, nations are already and will continue to rise and fall at a pace. It's like history went real slow for a long time. Now it's going... The secular state, the godlessness, is spirit of antichrist. And it's what is the ideal for every every government, even America, is part of the libertarian movement. The secular state. But that's not me condemning that movement, I'm just observing. People want the Muslims to have a secular state. They'd be safe if they had a secular state. Chinese have a secular state. Russians have a secular state. India has a secular state. That's such a weird thing on the earth. Mankind has always been ruled by his gods, even their false gods. What happens when all gods are thrust down by man? Antichrist. That's the story. What's the number of the devil? You're wrong. That's not biblical. In like fact, we don't know the devil's number. If you do know it, don't call him. 66 <laughs> six is the number of man. That's what it says in the Bible. Antichrist is a man, not the devil. The exaltation of man is God, we may see it in our lifetime, but even if we don't, we're almost gonna see it. Everything is shaking. No one knows what is up and what is down. Nobody wants to get married. Except gay people. How on earth does that happen? (laughs) I'm serious. This we got to wake up. You can always leave church, watch TV, get your brain back into. I'm I'm a big sports fan. I like it, but if it becomes. The tranquilizer that keeps me asleep to a world that's fading? Where do you run? The church. If the church stands. If the church stands. If the church holds the word and continues to express it in obedient love for one another. This becomes sanity land. Jim Morrison, the great prophet, I know. He was obsessed with death. That's why he calls band the Doors. He wanted to know what was on the other side of the door. And he meant of death. And he had a, he had a statement that became a, a book title of his, of his biography. And that was, no one here gets that alive. And what he meant was, not this building or this room. He means, you join the majority. 100 years, all new people. When the dust settles, the church gets out of here alive. And there are people who God loves, who He's calling, who need this family. This family in Salisbury, Maryland. It's not the only family. There are other Bible-believing churches, and we want them to be good places too. Because nothing is more valuable. Okay, application. In the little time I have left. How long does it take to sing a song? Brian, how long? How long does it take Brian to sing your song? How long you want to sing? <laughs> take my voice. Uh, one. Okay. Um, Josh Harris. This is it. Stop dating the church. Josh Harris wrote a book called Stop Dating the Church. Fall in Love with the Family of God. You don't have to read that book. The title is enough. Many women wait for men to get serious. I know it's a feminist age, and men, women don't—they're sexually liberated and all this stuff, but not really. If that only works. That's that sex—that sex, that sexually promiscuous woman on TV who's so happy about it. They're only happy on TV. That ain't real women. And their guys won't commit. Oh, they can say they're liberated, but what they really want is that man to man up and get a ring. <laughs> because men and women don't change you can tell them that they're something they're not they're still what they are it's like some people teach their, their dogs like it's a person look he's, he's he, he, oh, he, wants, he doesn't want you to leave and normally that's because the dog's biting you and they're interpreting what the dog's doing no the, the dog is biting me he doesn't want you to leave <laughs> so he can continue to eat me look, you can treat your dog like he's a person but he still wants, if he's a male, to mark his territory. <laughs> and you know what? And he, he'll eat nasty things off the floor. But I cooked you this, they don't care. You can tell men and women they're not made in the image of God, and it will hurt them badly, but they are. And women want men to step up, baby. Do you know what men do? When they take from a woman all the benefits of marriage without marriage. When they want the privilege without giving all, they devalue them. That's what they're doing. They're saying, you're not worth much. I got my video games, baby. What's a piece of paper? And women, hungry, To be loved by someone. That's okay. He loves me. How much does someone devalue what Jesus values. By not committing to the church. For cynical reasons. Are you not looking at God's bride. Whom he values with his blood. And saying. I don't know, man. They're all just about the money. They're legalistic. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish. The church is the supreme object of affection of God. Now, we can look at Harvest Baptist Church and we can see what we like, but none of us will mistake this people for perfection. None of us. And all of us can say, well, if I ran the church, or if I ran that section of the church that I care about, I sure wouldn't do it like that. God's beloved the church is the supreme object of his affection well if she was lovelier maybe I would that's really what we're saying when we will not fall in love with the family of God and it's a choice if she were lovelier if the church was more perfect like my last one or like the one I've never seen (laughs) is this is how a good husband you'd imagine loves his wife For all the good parts of of women, the superior sex, from my point of view, I can't defend that from the Bible, but I've always thought they were better than men. I've always pursued them. (laughs) 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 That's the one I want. I got one. They're not perfect. Would you respect a husband who said, I'd love her more if she was lovelier? Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church he looks at his bride and says, I adore you. We say, have you seen what happened to me? Did you see the sin I did? Yeah. Breaks my heart too. Some think church simply exists as a mission to the world, but rather the purpose of the mission of the church is to add beauty to the church. Mission exists. You're going to say, because worship doesn't. Because you've been piper trained. That's true. But I'm going to tell you something that's truer mission exists to build a church John 10 16 I have other sheep that are not of this fold I own I have bought sheep with my blood and I love them and they're not here they're over there and they're a mess they're out there they're in another country and I love them and I bought them and I should, must bring them and they must listen to my voice says a man who never left Israel go get them why what's the end he doesn't say worship although that is the end his number one is so that they will be one flock with one shepherd mission builds the church that's why we do it the church does not exist to do mission mission exists to do church the loss of evangelism is a loss of local church let me give you a practical thing very practical thing. It's overlooked because it's thought to be too easy. But I'm telling you, I could do. The easiest way to do evangelism is to invite people to church. I know it feels like a cop out. Shouldn't so, know, I be the one to tell them all about Jesus? Tell them all about Jesus. But anyone can invite someone to church. And you know, if you invite enough people to church, you know what they start doing? They come. Well, I didn't think he'd be interested. That's because you never asked. He's a human, or she's a human. They're spiritual people. And you know what happens when they come here? What they're going to find is what I found. A, a, a bunch of friendly people who can't wait to shake my hand on the way in. Not enough coffee out there for my likes, but it's not a perfect judge. I see. The, the trick is they lead you into the Sunday school to get the coffee. That's okay. We'll work on that. No, I'm just kidding. But I see a, a happy entrance, I see all this nice stuff on the wall, little messages about I don't know what, but it's inviting. I walk in here, we got these nice padded chairs, we got a great band, and some guy gets up with a tie, because there's like, what, five ties in the room. I just want you to know if you're wearing a tie, I really respect that, like you're weirdos in here, right? Everybody else. I like you, though. I wore a bright one.
2: You're my favorite weirdo. <laughs> for
1: you. you. are my favorite weirdo.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny. Here's the irony. In our old setting, I told him, don't you even preach without a tie on. Now I never. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do. But what I hear is the word of God. And then when I'm done, some, all these guys are going to, I haven't seen it, but you're going to be shaking hands and some of you rush out because it's time for lunch, baby. But you're shaking hands, you're hugging necks, you're kissing each other, you're talking, and then hopefully someone talks to me. And all of a sudden I'm wondering, did I find something I don't have? Then you take me to lunch. And you try to witness, but you're stumbling at it. (laughs) You go, have you ever been washed in the blood? (laughs) That's like the creepiest thing anyone's ever said to me. (laughs) but I know you care and I understand and the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and I say I'm gonna come back next week does not happen for everybody but that's the easiest way to do evangelism and though we rely on the Holy Spirit not statistics statistics show that the majority of people go to a church because of an invitation of a friend and any of you can do it I don't know enough to evangelize first you do you have your testimony but even if you feel lack of confidence, do you know enough to tell them how to get here? Look, GPS. <laughs> Let me finish this. i got to finish this. Because I'm, I'm, I want to hear the song. <laughs> so I'm skipping. Poor Sam. He has all those nice PowerPoints that I'm skipping. All the way to number four. Sam, if you keep up with me, fine. It's not good. Get to work and stay at it. You might be saying, what was two and three? It doesn't matter. Jesus didn't like those. I wrote them. He said, no. <laughs> I'll preach them next week. <laughs> don't. If he didn't want me to have them, well, you don't. Stay there. They, they're used to quality. Don't, they're used to you. So they like quality. Don't, don't step down and get my throwaways. Get to work and stay at it. Do you know what the work is in the church? Your labor is not in vain. Your laziness is. Did you know what the work I- is? We have a dress to make. Guys, how many of you want to be dressmakers? Gals, how many of you want to be dressmakers? Gals, how, how many of you would at least like to see the wedding dress? <laughs> yeah, just Nancy. The rest of you are, are just too shy to raise your hand, and I know it. I have daughters, and one of them got married. How can a phone book bridal that costs like $50 book with all these wedding dresses. How can one not be enough, Mandy? I haven't found the one I like. Well, this is pretty. It's $8,000. Well, I'm not going to buy it. Why look at it? But I like ladies being like ladies. They're lovely. They're wonderful. I want them like that. I don't want them like men. We're making a dress. Looky here. Revelation 19, 7 to 8. Let us rejoice. Revelation 19. If you get into double digits in Revelation, you're near the end. If you get to 19, you're almost at the end. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. All history ends in a wedding reception and it's going to be the best one ever at a wedding yes ladies your dream has come true all those those action movies you had to put up with the bible in the end is a romantic chick flick yeah if it ends in a wedding my wife loves it i'm not kidding I, I, I think, these guys in Hollywood, why don't they get this formula? Make all the action movie you want. Just have someone get married at the end. She's like, yeah, I love that. <laughs> History ends that way. Look at this. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. I don't think earth words can begin to describe the beauty of that dress. And look what it says. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. We do not work to gain salvation but we do work to build this beautiful church and our clothing is our good deeds and while you have breath in your body can I get a witness? You can be part of making that. Let's pray. Father in heaven You are the one and only God. You build the church. We participate. We stumble. You pick us up. You dust off the seat of our pants and you say, get back in there. And your Holy Spirit guarantees success with weak men and women in the name of Jesus. and with faith, step forward, face our own personal, personal trials. and reach forth in our pain to share in the pain of others and face their trials. And when we go to all lands and lift up the name of Jesus who said, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto Myself. And we proclaim the greatness of the salvation of the God who loves sinners. For we have no other hope when we shed this mortal coil when we spring from these earth things except that God is you God can